Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I am a female leader in the pro sports industry, and each week I interview women in the sports business to teach you the tips and the mindset that will get you to the next level faster. Did you know that less than 25% of leadership roles in the sports and entertainment industry are held by women? We've got work to do. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here as your host to bring visibility to women who are crushing it in their roles. Join me week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. We will lead you forward because leadership is female. Hey leaders, let me be blunt. Sometimes in order to level up, you've got to get a new job. Because of this awesome community we have created here for engaged sports professionals and leaders in adjacent industries, opportunities are floating to this community. Do you want to hear about them? I want to share these new opportunities with you. Recently, I've included listings of available jobs in our newsletter and will continue to do so. If you aren't on that newsletter list, you can add your email at leadershipisfemale.com. And if you are hiring, email me at my personal email, emilyjansen at gmail.com, so that I can share your open role. If we want to continue to add diverse, talented leaders to our businesses, we have to look for new ways to recruit this diverse talent. 80% of our listeners on the Leadership is Female podcast are women. Find your next great hire here. Let's go. Molly Wordak-Folt is the Vice President Partnership Activation for Illich Sports and Entertainment. In her role, Molly is responsible for leading the Corporate Partnerships Activation Group across the Detroit Red Wings, Detroit Tigers, and entertainment arms of the business, ensuring world-class experiences for partners through exceptional service, cutting-edge activation plans, and flawless execution. She also drives renewal sales efforts and develops cross-venue, multi-platform deals that leverage the sports and entertainment group's unparalleled portfolio of properties. Today, we cover tips and information in all business verticals of sports, from fan engagement, guest experiences, sales, and partnership marketing. Molly shares with us her favorite moments in her sports career and gives you advice that will help you to bring a better, more dialed-in version of yourself to work tomorrow. She shares many examples of her secret to success, stretching herself outside her comfort zone to force growth. Molly is an absolute all-star, and I know that you'll love hearing from her. So let's go. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast, Molly Wardak-Folt. She's the Vice President of Partnership Activation with the Detroit Red Wings, Detroit Tigers, and the entertainment arms of those companies. Wow, you've got a big title and a lot uh, under your umbrella. So tell us all about it. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so thanks so much for having me, Emily. I appreciate it. Um, I am a Midwestern girl, born and raised um, in the Midwest. Um, I did my undergraduate work in um, business and psychology, actually, at Ohio University, and uh, didn't actually know a whole lot about the sports business and didn't really know that I wanted to go into it. I was a Division I college athlete, so I've always been involved in sports, but just didn't know sort of the behind the scenes stuff. But um, had an opportunity after graduating to go on and get my dual degree in uh, my master's of business administration and master's of sports administration. And um, from there is sort of where I started to learn the ins and outs of the business and 
kind of got my foot in the door. Um, and over time, my, my roles have evolved. I started out initially in the NFL in their partnership activation team um, and then um, have spent actually the last 14 years here with uh, Illich Sportsman Entertainment, which, as you mentioned, is the Detroit Red Wings, the Detroit Tigers, the Fox Theater, um, and, and the entertainment side of our business. And um, I spent some time on the ticketing side, the community impact side, um, but my sort of bread and butter and what I love the most is, is partnership activation. So taking all of the brands that um, entrust us with their marketing dollars and figuring out ways to bring those brands to life and, and showcase them amongst our, our teams and our properties. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously doing that across Major League Baseball, the NHL, concerts, entertainment, all those types of opportunities. So let's rewind a little bit. And I want to ask you, how important was your master's degree to the start of your career and the start of your career in the NFL with the Dolphins? Yeah. So for me personally, it was really important because I didn't, I didn't have an undergraduate degree in, in sports management or sports business. And I think even back then, the, the deg- that degree was even less prominent than it is today. And so I really found it highly valuable to get in and really understand the business side of it. Um, specifically on the MBA, really just understanding the, the fundamentals of, of business and um, just having sort of um, a, a deeper understanding and a higher level of, of education from a business standpoint has really helped me and prepared me as I went on to take my first opportunity with the Dolphins um, just to have more knowledge as opposed to just somebody coming in who, who didn't have any experience at all. Yeah. It sounds like you got a running start from getting your master's and I can only imagine how prepared you were having gone through that program to, to start on day one. What was that experience like an Ohio university grad moving down to Miami? (laughs) Well, being from the Midwest, like I said, um, really all my life candidly, um, and then moving to Miami it was very different, um, but I really, really enjoyed um, how much culture there was down there and being able to be a part of, you know, this Hispanic heritage that's down there and um, sort of the Latin American heritage that's there and how you know, the dolphins specifically, but then also brands were marketing to those different demographics. And I loved how just, just um, ethnically diverse it was. It wasn't necessarily a place for me long term, um, but I really appreciated that not having all of those cultural experiences from, you know, my years prior. Yeah, that's awesome. Another great start for you to really get outside your comfort zone and try something new and a whole new part of the country um, where much more sunscreen is required and (laughs) not as long of winters um, as we get uh, up in the north there. That's right. Yeah, but then you moved back. So in twenty or two thousand and eight, you joined Detroit Red Wings, and that's where you are today um, as part of the larger group, Vice President of Partnership and Activation. Talk about your internal growth and moving from ticket service and retention to partnership marketing. Yeah, I, I've always um, tried to position myself and and look forward a couple of years. I think it's it's certainly very important to to make sure you're focused on the job that that you're hired to do. 
but also be aware and ready for what may be the next opportunity and the next area of growth. And so I just really tried to put myself in a position to learn and grow every day, um, put myself in uncomfortable spots. You know, I think that's such a big thing for growing and developing and, you know, advancing your career is making yourself uncomfortable. And um, sometimes those things turn out positively and other times they don't. But, you know, learning from all of that um, was was really important. Um, I think asking a lot of questions, I, I think sometimes, I don't know if it's our business or if it's just in general, you know, I think sometimes people are hesitant to ask questions. Oh, is that, is that going to be frowned upon? Does it look like I don't know what I'm talking about? Um, but I would much rather prefer somebody ask a lot of questions. And I think that's how I learned um, coming up to the business was trying to ask a lot of questions. And then really, I think hitching my wagon to good leaders. I, uh, it's important to me that I, you know, learned from a lot of different um, executives within the company as, as I grew and developed. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that I learned from really great leaders. And then there's also things that I learned from maybe folks that I wouldn't necessarily hitch my wagon to moving forward. Um, but all of those things shaped um, my ability to grow and develop within the company over the last 14 years. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice and, and great point on the leadership perspective. You can learn something from any type of leader, whether it's who you want to become or who you who you don't want to become, um, to really really shape your growth. And one of the key things you did with the Red Wings early on was oversaw the Guest Connect program, focusing on guest experiences. Can you tell us what are some key takeaways from working in that program? What do fans want? How do you manage their expectations? And how do you sort through the, through the data to find the best way to impact those guest experiences? Yeah, you're really taking me back here a number of years. You know, one of the things that I think is just endemic to who I am, whether it's through the Guest Connect program and that sort of guest experience role, or it's in partnership activation and servicing brands or ticket retention and servicing season ticket holders is just creating that um, five-star experience, right? And, and everything that we do, no matter who the customer or the client is, um, but really providing that five-star experience and providing consistency. And when we created the guest, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the guest connect program, that was one of the things that was really important was providing a consistent guest experience, whether you were coming to a Red Wings game, a concert, ultimately it has evolved to the ballpark, the Comerica Park, the Fox Theater. So when you come to our venues, you are getting top-notch five-star service all the time. And whether you're interacting with somebody who picks up the phone, whether you're interacting with somebody who's scanning your ticket, your usher, that experience is the same no matter where you are, what venue you're at. You know, you mentioned the data. I, I think, and and you mentioned what do you know, clients, what do season ticket holders, fans want to hear? What do they want from that type of experience? I think the biggest thing is a lot of times they just want to be heard. And so we created a lot of opportunities for fans to do that, whether that was through um, you know, post-event surveys where they could provide feedback on experiences. Um, guest connect cards at all of our venues. Um, you know, obviously a little bit pre-COVID, not as much now. We're doing it with QR codes and those kinds of things. But um, being able to on the spot fill out an experience that they had, positive and negative, right? Some of the greatest feedback that we got was, 
I sit in this section and I love my usher. He or she is amazing. Like, I mean, some of these people have been season ticket holders for years or have come to games for years and have interacted with a lot of our guest relations teams for a number of years. And um, so being able to hear that feedback and then digest it and understand how we can act upon it. You know, one of the biggest things was we were always trying to provide feedback and respond to the people that had provided us, um, you know, some, some inquiries or answers. Um, but then also, how do we take that and, and make changes to how the way in which we operate our business that can be impactful moving forward? Yeah, great points there, especially on the want to be heard. I can tell you how many personal emails I've gotten where they found my email address, wrote to me. And when I responded, it was like, wow, I wasn't even respect, expecting a response. Right. I just wanted to have a, a mechanism to put it out there. And certainly the technology and that support has really increased over all of our years working in sports from handwritten cards to now QR codes and ways to submit it digitally. And then for us, you know, the ability to digest that information and, and figure out what is the next step. And, you know, really the fans are the eyes and ears to help us to uncover what's next for the business. So how, how great for you to have those roots um, and now help you grow on, on the partnership side, which now you're vice president partnership activation and responsible for leading corporate partnerships, activations group, again, across Red Wings, Tigers, and entertainment arms of the business, ensuring world-class experiences for your partners through exceptional service, cutting-edge activation plans, and flawless execution. So what are your three keys to your success in this role, Molly? I'll go back to something that I mentioned before, but it is really putting myself in, in uncomfortable positions and stretching myself beyond sort of the day-to-day. A lot of people ask me, right, like, you've been there for 14 years. It's a really long time. Don't you feel like you're doing the same thing every day? Well, no, because I need to force myself into uncomfortable situations and new situations so I can continue to grow and develop. I think the second thing is always being prepared. Um, I certainly don't claim or know all of the answers to everything, but doing everything that I can to be the most prepared that I can be. And That may be a very small amount of information, but just making sure that I've done my due diligence, my research, um, whatever we're doing, whether we're in front of a client, whether we're having an internal meeting, whether we're talking about, you know, an up and coming opportunity, the crypto category, you know, NFTs, whatever it might be that I'm doing my research um, to be as prepared as as I possibly can. And then the last thing I would say is, surrounding myself with great people. Um, <clears throat> this is not a job, as you know, that can be done you know, singularly. And I would not be where I am today if it were not for the people on my team, uh, the other departments that I have the opportunity to interact with and um, learn from every day. And it's one of the main reasons that I've stayed here as long as I have is because of the people. And they're just down to earth. They're they're great. They're supportive of one another. They're supportive of what we do from a business perspective, but also personally. Um, so I think the, like I said, the third thing would just be surrounding myself with great people. So I want to dig in just a little bit on number two, always be prepared with due diligence and information. It's so important for any, 
any sales pitch or, or working with external partners. But I want to ask you, what's what's the balance? Like what percent do you invest in the prep versus in the pitch? Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's such a good question. Um, I, I think it depends on maybe where you are in the process. So much of, you know, an initial meeting, for example, is coming in prepared for it and gathering as much information on the upfront that you can, right? But I'm not going to know everything going into that meeting. But after we have that initial prospecting call, that initial discovery call, I want to make sure that if I don't have all the information, that I'm prepared with all the questions that I need to ask to gain all the information. Then when it comes to the pitch on the back end, that's where, in my opinion, all of the knowledge that we've gathered about a particular client or a prospect really needs to come to the forefront. I need to show, we need to show that we've listened, that we hear them, we understand what their objectives are, what they're looking for, um, and how does the pitch that we're delivering to them meet on those objectives. Um, so I guess maybe a long-winded answer to your question, but I think it depends on where you are in the process. Yeah, no, those are it's great advice and, and great tips on the balance between the two. The first meeting can't be just sole exploratory. You've got to do your research ahead of time. And then Round two, you're applying what you've learned to show the client you listen. So I think that's that's great. And, and everyone can sort of use that as the framework on how they balance their day and what time they're investing in before that meeting you've worked so hard to get. You can't blow it. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> so you're working in hockey, baseball, entertainment, huge portfolio of properties, what strategy do you use to grow partners in all areas and not just reallocate a spend when renewal time comes along? For me, it is all about relationships. I mean, we can talk all the strategy in the world, but relationships before opportunities. Somebody told me this a, a while ago. It's RBO, relationships before opportunities. And if you establish great relationships with people, People buy from people that they like and that they trust. And it makes difficult conversations easier. Um, it just, I think, makes everything around a partnership, a spend, easier when you have that relationship. And so um, I, I think that that's key. Before you can go ask for a renewal, before you can go ask for an upsell, you have to have established that relationship beyond surface level. And I feel really strongly about that. It's one thing to like check the boxes of a partnership. And yes, we've done these 10 things that are in your contract. But what do I know about you personally? Like how have we connected on a deeper level beyond just the fact that you're our 100th partner and I'm checking the boxes on your contract every day? Um, and some of that comes from, you know, the, the personal side of it and the personal relationship side of it. And others, you know, comes from being proactive and, and doing the research that we talked about, right? So what are things that are changing about their business, about their industry? How can we be proactive about going to them with opportunities? Hey, I saw that you were doing this in this market. Here's how we could put a really creative spin on that at the Wings or at the Tigers. What do you think about that? Um, and so again, it's just, it's, it's being proactive, it's listening, it's understanding who they are 
And at the end of the day, relationships drive, I think, so much of a partner's desire to, to reinvest and, and re-up at the end of the contract. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, especially given the emotion involved in our business of sports. So you want to be invested in the team, but also in the people. For sure. Yep. So speaking of that emotion, what's your best uh, work memory? I can't, I really have two, um, to be totally honest. I, when we had the winter classic in 2012, um, we had, we had the largest winter classic ever executed for the NHL at Michigan stadium. But prior to that, we did like 20 days of programming at Comerica park, everything from high school games to college games, to minor league games, to open skates for the public, um, to staff skates. We did all of these things for 20 days at the ballpark, all culminating in, I think it was. I'm probably going to botch the number, but 109, 111,000 sold out stadium at Michigan for Wings versus Toronto. Um, we unfortunately didn't pull out the win, but that day on, on New Year's Day, going to that stadium, it was a complete snowstorm. I mean, like serious Midwestern massive snowflakes. We were tired. We were cold, but nobody cared because we had done so much work. We had done something that no, no club had ever done around a winter classic and we had, you know, done it successfully. Um, so for me, just sitting there taking in that, you know, what this, all these, all this work had culminated to was, was really exciting. And then the second thing for me is, is opening Little Caesars Arena. Um, you know, a lot of people say, you know, I live in my career to, to open a new stadium, to, you know, put on things like a winter classic, big historical events. Um, but again, it's just that you were in the grind with so many people for so long, getting this to that point and to be able to come to that ribbon cutting and be a part of it with your colleagues, with your family, with people that live in the city, um, just seeing all that hard work pay off was really, really an exciting moment. We are all busy professionals, right? That's why I'm always looking for the best products that are both convenient and make life easier. Mobot water bottles are one of these products. Mobot is a beautifully designed water bottle and foam roller in one. This company is female founded and led, which is huge for us at Leadership is Female and supports our core philosophy to elevate women. I use the water bottle at the gym, staying hydrated in boot camp and then flipping the bottle on its side at the end of camp to quickly foam roll my legs. It helps so much with recovery and it feels good. Get yours at mobot.com and use the code leadership is female to get 15% off. Support Lanny, the female founder of this product, and support yourself. This is a must-have wellness product. Visit mobot.com and use the code LEADERSHIPISFEMALE to get 15% off today. Such mega sports moments that you've had in your career. I am so happy you shared those with us, and I certainly got all the feelings just hearing about it and imagining and you know, uh, that winter classic is such a special event. And, um, of course they brought a snowstorm for you at, and 111,000 people at the same time. Um, that is, that's perfect Detroit right there. Exactly. 
Can you identify a major hurdle that you've had to overcome in your career? I would say um, back in, during the pandemic, honestly, um, in, I think it was in 2020, we unfortunately had to furlough some colleagues. Um, and that was really, really challenging. Um, you know, I, I unfortunately have, had to let some people go in my career and that's not fun. And I certainly don't enjoy that. Um, but in this instance, it was letting people go or going through a furlough process to no fault of their own. You know, they hadn't done anything wrong and, you know, it just was the state of where our business was. And unfortunately something we had to do, um, but just having to go through that and, not only obviously have those difficult conversations with those colleagues, but then, you know, manage and, and really be empathetic to the folks that um, didn't go through that, but their friends went through that. And how do you help them through that process? Um, that was really tough. Uh, I think probably one of the most difficult times in my career um, and probably to, to your question, one of the biggest hurdles I've had to overcome. Well, and the, the other difficult piece of that was we did a lot of that through a screen. We yeah. weren't seeing each other in person and there wasn't an opportunity to gather as a team afterwards because everyone was in their homes. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And it was, it was a lot of post, you know, post those furlough calls, having to call people individually. And, you know, then you don't, know what other conversations are happening on, you know, behind that. And like, just how do you wrap your arms around everybody and, um, you know, just help them through the situation. And like I said, be empathetic to what they're going through. Um, it, it was tough. Yeah. And no answers, right. On the length of time and how long it was going to last. I mean, that period is in reflection. It, it's unbelievable that we even went through that. So yeah, I can certainly claim that as a huge hurdle in, in my own career as well. And for me, it's been really great to see some of these people that had to leave organizations um, due to the circumstances, find their footing again, and really take off on another great part of their career. So, um, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel for, uh, for these types of situations, but it's just so challenging when you're in the middle of it. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, you, you think to yourself, I'm a firm believer that, that everything happens for a reason. And when you go through something like that, you know, it's, it's hard to think, okay, there's to your point, there's gotta be a bright light here somewhere when you're in the thick of it. But I, I agree. I think about some of the colleagues that, that went through that on my team and they're in such great places now doing amazing things. And I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of how they handled the situation on their end. It was, you know, it could have been very different. Um, and just seeing how they've overcome that and got on to do tremendous things is really great. Yeah, for sure. Um, on another note, you're a pretty great public speaker. What's led to your interest in speaking and how have you improved your skills? Well, thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, for me, it's just practice. Honestly, um, I, I go back to this sort of sentiment of putting myself in uncomfortable situations. Um, I had a former boss who was 
really big on presentations and he did a lot of, you know, when he would get all of his departments together, you know, gave people an opportunity to get up and speak to the entire group, make a presentation to the entire group. Um, and I always wanted to be somebody who did that because it wasn't always comfortable. It wasn't always easy. Um, but, you know, just practicing it over and over and over again. I mean, even little things like before I go into a pitch, you know, we talked about the, you know, doing the research and being prepared. It's, it's one thing to do the research and be prepared, but it's also to, to practice and, and be prepared for the physical pitch itself, right? You know, how are you standing, you know, going through some presentation training skills um, and, and um, opportunities to take some courses there. Um, you know, what do you do with your hands? How to avoid words, and I just said it, and I caught myself, and now I realize that I said it, but how did those filler words, like um, and, and right? So just, I think, practicing it and uh, making sure that you're putting yourselves in opportunities where you can continue to grow and develop, because not doing it isn't going to get make you any better. So true, putting yourself in those situations, and that's really been, been a theme in your career and how you've been successful is stretching yourself in a situation that is a little outside your comfort zone. And the more you stretch, the bigger that zone becomes. Speaking of, of stretching yourself and growing, you have two children. So you've grown your family, you've grown your people. Can you talk about your maternity leave and your maternity leave strategy as you've been climbing the ladder at the same time you've been growing your family? Yeah. So, um, it's interesting because I think when, when I, before I had kids, I would say I was very much of the philosophy, work hard, work all the time, like live and breathe your work. And, um, even when I had kids, we had my second kid, my boss at the time, you know, I, I physically could not put my phone down. I came out of having a C-section and like a couple hours later, I was responding to emails. And to this day, he says to me, I can't believe a few hours after you had a baby, you're responding to emails. And we joke about it, but the more that I look back on that now, like I'm a little bit embarrassed if I'm just speaking very openly that, that that's what I did. Because first of all, it's not necessary. You're on maternity leave. You have whatever your company policy is, six weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, whatever it is, like take that time, truly take that time. I mean, you know it, you have a little one, one, you know, the third of three, you don't get that time back. And that time goes so fast. And to spend time answering emails while you're on maternity leave, one, I don't think HR, they would probably, if they knew I was doing that, would not be very happy. But just from a family perspective, like, take in that time, embrace it, cherish it, make the most of it. And that's really, I guess, what my maternity leave sort of, you know, policy is or strategy is for, for people who are going through it, like completely separate yourself. You should, I didn't do it. I'm not a good example of I'm the, I'm what not to do, um, but you won't get it back. So take full advantage. I'm curious if you took a little more time or answered fewer emails with your second than with your first, because as each child came along, like I worked through my maternity leave with my first child, 
My second child, I took a couple weeks and then worked through it while I was home. And then my third child, I took the full thing because <laughs> I was like, hands up. This is the last one. Like I worked through the other ones. This is something I should be doing is, is paying t- attention to her because time is so fleeting. Did, did you experience that as well? Um, sadly, I don't think I did. Um, with my first, like I mentioned, it was so fresh and I was still in that mentality of, of work around the clock, never turn it off. And then with my second, um, if I'm being honest, we've gone through a leadership change and, um, you know, not that there was any pressure from anybody else, but I think, you know, you just have this mentality of, of feeling like you need to prove yourself. I mean, I went, um, I had gotten a new boss in February of 19 and in, I went on maternity leave in April. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to like prove myself to that individual. We had a new president at the time. Um, and so I think I unfortunately felt this need to like stay on again. I just, I really want to emphasize this was not any pressure that they had applied. It was only pressure from myself to, to, to stay connected because I felt the need to prove myself. And that I can do this. I can work through maternity leave. Like I want to stay connected. Um, so I wish maybe it had been different, but it wasn't with my second. I'm so thankful to you for sharing that. And because there's so many women that are going through it and I can't imagine how many listeners really feel seen by hearing you talk about those feelings because I can, I can certainly relate. And I know there are many out there who can. So now that we're in 2022 and like somewhat back to normal, um, what do you do for fun when you're not working? Love to be outside. We are a huge outdoor family, whether it's biking or kayaking or running or in the winter skiing we just, we just love to be outside, spending time outside. Um, it's, I, we live for the summers because of that being on the water or whatever it might be, but we just like to be outside enjoying the sun and taking in all the activities that you can do. Love it. So final four questions. What's one piece of advice you would give to women today so they can level up tomorrow? I love that. Um, the piece of advice that I would give is know that your voice matters. Be confident that you deserve a seat at that table, no matter what level you are in the organization, whether you're starting out and your seat at the table is simply just asking to be a fly on the wall. Can I be a part of that meeting? Because I want to learn. Or if you're a senior executive and you're in a room filled with all men, knowing that your position there matters and what you, you are there for a reason and what you bring to the table is important and don't ever let anybody tell you differently and, and use your voice, you know, in a positive manner to make positive impact and change. I love that. All right. Where are you traveling to next for fun? Oh, well, if I had a dream vacation, I really (laughs) would love to go to Africa. I really want to do the whole safari excursion adventure, um, but my kids are still little, so that may not be on the docket for the next vacation. <laughs> yeah, maybe the five-year. Right. There oh, we go. Five love year. that. <laughs> love that. Okay. What's your walk-up song? 
this is probably going to sound a little cheesy, but I am a tiger. When I was in high school, um, our soccer locker room song was I have the tiger and it always used to get us pumped up. And again, I know it sounds probably very cliche, but it just always does. Even to this day, I get very excited when I hear it. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. And then finally, what's your favorite quote? I, so our, the Red Wings head coach, Jeff Blaschel, um, he's really an inspirational speaker and he does a lot of, um, talks publicly about leadership and, and being a team player and all those kinds of things. I heard him once say, there's not one thing that you can do about what happened yesterday. Let's control what we can control and get better today. And that's just always, honestly, it's literally saved as a draft in my email because I reference it all the time. Um, I just think it's so important focusing on what you can control, not dwelling on the past um, and, and just thinking about how each day is a new day. Be grateful and thankful for the day and how can you continue to grow and evolve and get better with each day. What a perfect quote, a perfect way to end the interview and just the the perfect way to sum up working in sports. Today is a new day, a new game, a new opportunity. And if we dwell on the past, we're already starting from behind. So um, beautiful advice. Molly, thank you so much for sharing your voice. Where can we follow along with your career? Well, you can follow along on, on LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, happy to, to connect with anybody who, who'd like to connect on LinkedIn. Um, so thank you for having me, Emily. This has been such a pleasure and uh, really appreciated getting to know you. Likewise, you are a star and we look forward to watching you succeed at even greater levels in the future. Thank you. Let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, Put yourself in uncomfortable situations to stretch yourself day to day. This is the biggest contributing factor to your growth in your career. Number two, always be prepared with due diligence and information before any meeting. Invest the time in before to reap the benefits of a successful meeting after. Number three, surround yourself with great people. And number four, know that your voice matters and be confident that you deserve a seat at the table. You are there for a reason. What you bring to the table is important and don't let anyone tell you differently. Use your voice to make a positive impact and change. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.